Welcome to the Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa Rittenhouse. Entrepreneur Escape Pod is for anyone interested in learning about the multitude of ways to create a career for yourself outside of a traditional nine to five, as well as anyone who is inspired to learn from others and take action towards their goals. In each episode, I interview a wide variety of people from entrepreneurs to artists to digital nomads so we can learn from them and expand our perspective on work in the digital age. I'll also share with you my thoughts on any newsworthy topics related to remote work, tech, digital entrepreneurship and more. If you're ready to feel inspired, let's dive into Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa. In today's episode, we have a really awesome guest named Christy Cooper. She is the CEO, designer, and creative strategist behind Cooper and Heart Creative. And in this episode, we talk about how Christy grew her business from a side hustle to a six-figure business. We also talk a lot about design, particularly for sales pages and websites, because that's what Christy specializes in. So if you're someone with an online business who's looking to redesign, your website. This would be the perfect episode to listen to. So we talk all about design. We also talk a lot about Christie's VIP day offer, how she developed that offer and then what a difference it made for her business. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you like the episode, don't forget to give us a five-star review and subscribe. And I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Christie. Hi everyone, I'm here with Christy Cooper. She is the CEO, designer, and creative strategist behind Cooper and Heart Creative. So welcome, Christy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So um, one question I kind of start off and I ask all my guests is, what does the word entrepreneur mean to you or how would you define the word entrepreneur? Yeah, entrepreneur. So in my mind, entrepreneur is simply someone who is going out on their own and starting a business of some sort. So I know some people have like a more narrowly defined entrepreneur thing where it's more about the investment level or the innovation that they're doing. But in my opinion, an entrepreneur is someone who is taking that risk of starting their own business in whatever industry or area that they're they're doing it in. Cool. And um, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you go to school? What did you study? And then what was your experience like after you graduated? Did you know you kind of wanted to do something entrepreneurial or did you kind of go straight into a nine to five in the corporate world? What was that like? Yeah. So I am a designer, um, a graphic designer, web designer, and I have been a designer for a very long time, <laughs> uh, since I was 17. So, and I actually went to, while I was still in high school, I went to a local um, tech school, like vocational school, because you could go for free when you were in high school. And so I took a computer graphic design class and that kind of led me to my first job. I worked at a print shop. And after working there for a few years, um, I was actually uh, homeschooled, so I didn't go to college straight out of high school. And well, one thing I was paying for it myself. And so I didn't want to like just jump in if I wasn't sure what I wanted to study. And so I didn't go to, to college until I was like 22 or so. So I was a little bit older than the average student. And I decided I wanted to study graphic design. And so I, I got a bachelor's degree in fine arts in graphic design and studied all kinds of 
um, different designs. I did a lot of illustration, actually. I did a lot of kind of more artwork focused stuff. Um, and from there, after I graduated, I, I was a, I was one of those like straight A students. So I had my eyes set on um, working at a specific design agency in the area. And so I interviewed there, I got a job there. And then um, I spent 11 years, nine years, 10 years, 11 years. I can't even remember how many years I was at the agency. Um, and I learned a lot while I was there and did a lot of different things. Um, so it took me a while before I actually started off into doing my own business. Um, at the agency, I was, I wore a lot of hats. So I did a lot of different types of design. I did print design. I did brand design. I did web design. And um, eventually they also gave me a position that was kind of like a print production manager. So I managed vendors and projects and things that had to be produced, like from museum graphics to signage to brochures, anything like that. Um, and then I was just kind of burned out at the agency. I, um, that kind of led to me starting my own thing on the side. I, I, at first I was just going to look for another job. I was like, I'm just going to find another job. I'm kind of done with this agency. I just, I had my first daughter. Um, so I had a young kid at home and that kind of brings up a lot of feelings as a mom. Um, and so I, I started looking at things online and I don't know what I got sucked into, but then I was like, well, what if I could just work from home? Cause I have a young kid, right? So then I started doing freelance work on the side for design and that kind of just blossomed into me thinking like I could actually do this on my own and I could just run my own business and have my own freedom of time and stuff like that. Nice. And um, wow, there's like a lot because first of all, I, I didn't know you were homeschooled. But I think that's super cool because and, and that's also something that I feel like is like getting gaining in popularity these days, too. So yeah. um, I guess maybe if you don't mind, like touching on that for a second, like how do you feel like being homeschooled maybe had changed your perspective on just like career? Because it's you you know, you I guess from a young age, you kind of were doing things in a little bit of an unconventional way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was completely homeschooled. So I never went to elementary school, high school. I never went to any of those. So um, I, I think I went to preschool, I vaguely remember. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So, and I was very much a self kind of motivated child. Like I was super interested in learning. And so I kind of, especially in the high school years, I basically led my own education like I basically just told my mom like hey this is what I want to study and she would order textbooks for me and then I would do the work um it was it was a, it was a little strange um thinking back on it knowing other people didn't have that experience but yeah, yeah I think it did um it definitely influenced me like not jumping right into college right away I think because I, I think I realized like you don't have to do it like the way you're expected to do it necessarily. And so into like entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing in my family, but I think as I got older, I kind of realized like, you know, I can do things a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think definitely having maybe like a, a not like having a background and being homeschooled, it, it 
kind of forces you to maybe think outside the box a little bit or like be a little bit more independent and self-sufficient in a way. So I think that's really cool because I'm like, dang, that's so cool. Like how you were just like, oh, I'm interested in this. I'm going to study it. And you have like that kind of freedom when you're homeschooled. But um, anyway, so you mentioned when you were working at the agency, how you were experiencing burnout. Um, Can you describe a little bit what that feeling was like? And then was there anything in particular that brought on that feeling? Because you worked there for a while. So was it just like after being there for a few years, you started to feel that way or... Was it maybe something that was you, you mentioned, like once you had your daughter, it just caused you to like reevaluate things? What kind, do you think there was something in particular that brought on that feeling? I think things just kind of stacked up. Um, I just wasn't enjoying my work anymore. Um, particularly, it was pretty stressful to be managing the print production. It was very demanding deadlines. People would ask for things that were kind of ridiculous and it just kind of wore me down and it really pulled me away from what I first wanted to do, which was design work. I enjoyed doing design work for people and seeing that have an impact on whatever they were doing, whatever they were using the design for. And it really pulled me away from that and being in, and I couldn't really get out of that print production coordinator role. Um, I still did some design work, like they would give me some design projects, but um, it was just draining. It was really draining on my energy and I just didn't enjoy it anymore. (laughs) Were you, you mentioned like it was a lot of it was had to do with some of the work that you were doing at the agency. It was just kind of draining. Um, Did you kind of know at the time too, it was really more so just like not so much the design work, but maybe just other parts of the business where it's like, because you mentioned you went and started your side hustle. So um, there was there something in you that was like, okay, it's maybe there's something about just being in the nine to five. And if I have a side hustle, maybe that would alleviate the, the feeling of burnout <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I don't think I was, I started that side hustle as an experiment um, with the thought that I would go full time at some point. So it was very much like, I think this might be my path out of the nine to five job. Um, because it's definitely a lot more, it's a lot more demanding to work a nine to five and then work a side hustle. Like you're doing two jobs essentially. Um, so yeah, I think that it just took me a little while, um, to, have the guts to like go full time. <laughs> and what what was that transition like from taking going from a side hustle and then taking it to a full-time business and what steps did you take in order to grow your business? The way I jumped from part-time to full-time is not what I would recommend. Um I basically I had given birth to my second daughter and I was on my 4 weeks of maternity leave and we just couldn't financially have two young kids in daycare. Like it, it was almost like, why, why are we working so much to pay like two or $3,000 a month to daycare? Um, so, and my business was doing okay. It was still side hustle. So I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to it. And I was like, why don't we just see how this goes? My husband's still had a part-time job at the time. So we weren't like completely zero income, but um, yeah, I just kind of jumped and I didn't have a lot of savings and things were just a little bit rough for a little while. Um, 
And as far as how I grew, grew my business, it was pretty up and down that first year. Um, you know, I'd have like months with almost nothing and then I'd have really good months and it was very up and down, but it was just like online networking. So I, all, most of my clients are in the online business space. So it, I was doing a lot of online connections, joining groups or memberships or whatever, and connecting with people and getting referrals and, and that kind of thing is kind of how I got started, um, with finding clients. Nice. I love that. Cause I definitely feel like there's a lot of benefits to networking both online and in person. So it's really cool to hear that that's how you found a lot of your clients. So is that something you would recommend to people who maybe either are working on nine to five and are looking to transition in their own business, or it's maybe someone who's a student or who it's like, what do you, th what do you have any tips for networking online? How do you get started? How do you find clients? How do you connect with people? Yeah, so I joined, I, I was in a lot of Facebook groups and what I did is I would look for people who were asking questions or they were outright asking for help. Like, hey, I'm looking for a web designer or whatever. So I would always make sure I would comment and I would try to comment in the most valuable way based on whatever it is they were asking about. Um, those were kind of like more like cold connections, I guess. And then I also tried to join kind of similar online business type membership groups and kind of, you know, you're kind of trying to make business friends, you know, and then as you know, people will like mention your name when they hear, oh, someone needs a web designer or a brand designer or something like that. And so your name starts to get mentioned and you'll get referrals that way um, as well. And so I think that that's, that's the main thing that I did. Um, and it was a little bit slow, but I also know that making like networking, making connections is really kind of more of a faster way to get traffic to your business essentially than like going with like social media posts and or, or paid ads, which is a little expensive up front. Uh, totally. And it's it is a good way to connect with people for sure. And then um, you mentioned too, you made that transition after the birth of your second daughter. So um, what's it like running a successful business as a mom and how is being a parent and a business owner different from being a parent and working a nine to five? Yeah, so that first year is kind of a blur because I had a newborn um, yeah. <laughs> and <all this> working. <laughs> Um, and that was definitely different from my experience with my first, cause with my first daughter, you know, she, we, we had, we put her in daycare and I went to work every day. So it was a very different experience than the second time where I had a newborn who just needed my attention all throughout the day. Um, so yeah, it was definitely different. I think I just kind of held on to my determination to make it work versus like, having to stop and go find another job, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's where you're at and you need to go find a job, absolutely go do that. Um, it, it just wasn't for me at that point in time. Um, and you definitely manage time a little bit differently, especially if you have very young kids and you're watching them while you're trying to do business. Um, luckily, as my business grew, I was able to like, basically my husband was able to quit his part-time job and stay home with the kids. And so I have a more, like, especially now I have a much more kind of nine to five ish schedule, but I still kind of start when I want and they interrupt me and 
it's just a lot more flexible, you, you know, um, than it is like if I was in an office somewhere else. Totally. And I think that flexibility is really appealing to a lot of people with, especially with the rise of remote work. And I feel like, um, moms, young moms are like the, one of the biggest groups of people who like, uh, who advocate for remote work and who I've, who I've spoken to, who, you know, feel inspired to either start their own business or find a way they can work remotely. Cause yeah, I, I had another woman on my podcast too, who was like, it was right after her second child that she started her own business. Cause she was just saying it was, you know, she worked uh, in TV production for a long time and then she was like commuting to the city and it was like this long commute and she was just like, I don't think this is really sustainable and <laughs> like anymore, you know? Yeah, it takes up so much time. Um, like if you have to do the commuting and like picking up from daycare and dropping off, like all of that eats up time that you could actually just be spending together. Like we don't have to eat up time going places. You know, we get up, we have breakfast together, you know, and then we go on with our day and then I get off work, like come in my office and jump around. And, and it's, it's, it's an, a simple transition into um, home life, which is kind of nice. Definitely. And I think people really value having that flexibility of like, okay, maybe if I need to start 30 minutes later, I can just do that. And it's not a big deal. Or like, you know, think if I need to schedule my meetings, like all on one day, it's like, I could do that if I want to. And so on. Like, I feel like that's definitely something that people value more. And, um, you know, I, I guess like are not now, maybe I don't want to, we feel like more empowered to say like, Hey, this is what's important. And, you know, in the, with uh, how we work is like, we want that flexibility. Um, cool, so I guess um, your business focuses on design and specifically like designing conversion focused sales pages and web pages. So um, what do you think makes uh, a sales page or web page effective and likely to convert leads into clients? Yeah, so there's kind of, there's, there's usually kind of three aspects to, um, to this question. And that is one, you have an offer that people actually want. So obviously this isn't design related, but like, you know, you should be offering something that people want to buy. Um, and then you have your messaging and your copy around it. And like, how are you talking about that? Are you talking about that to people in a way that is clear and that they understand um, and is appealing to them? Um, and then the design aspect kind of the design is there to support that and to really kind of grab people's attention and then to keep their attention as they're as they're going through that content. So, and it can kind of vary depending on whether you're doing a website or a sales page and what your goals are. Um, when I do design work, it's very goal focused. So what is the action that we want people to take when they're on that website, for example? Um, it's gonna be different than a sales page, which is much more focused. Right. So that's, would you say that's the main difference between a sales page and a website is like, you know, sales page, when I think of sales page, I think of more like, um, what they call it, like a landing page that's probably used a lot to, when you have ads, it, you know, you go from the ad to that page and then a website is more, um, I mean, I kind of think about it as like, if you were to look someone up online and you wanted more information about them, but what would you say is the biggest difference between a sales page and a website? Yeah, website is kind of more like your digital retail store or office. Um, so it's really more all-encompassing for people to, to figure out what you do or learn about what you do and for you to guide them to different points, especially if you're helping people who are 
Um, maybe you help people who are at different stages or you have two different um, types of people you help, like if you're guiding them to different buckets, essentially. Whereas that sales page, it can be on your website, um, but the that sales page has one goal and that is to sell one thing. So it's not like a shop that has multiple products on it or something like that. It's definitely focused on one thing. Nice. And then how would someone know what is best for their business is what questions should they ask themselves when they're thinking like, should I build a website or focus on building a really good landing page, uh, sales page? Yeah. So that might depend on if you have one offer or if you are trying to sell more than one offer, if you are starting out and you have one offer, one solid offer, your website is kind of essentially a sales page. So they're kind of one in the same. You could just do one page. They're all focused on selling that one thing. Um, but if you're starting out, maybe you have some different offers, maybe you have two or three different offers or, um, you, you have different levels of offers and you need to explain that in different ways. And you probably want a website where you can kind of break that up for people. Nice. And then um, you mentioned too, uh, the four principles of design that sells. What are those four principles? Yeah, four principles. Yes. I, I kind of put these together because I think that these are kind of the core of um, what helps people actually take action when they interact with your website or sales page. So on one side, you want things to be clear and easy. So that's one and two. So that's really more about your structure. Like how are you doing your content flow on the page or the website? Um, how are we guiding people to where we want them to be? And then the actual copy that we're using, is this clear? Does this make sense? Like, are they gonna understand how it is or is it confusing? So just making it as clear and easy as possible. And then kind of more on the side that people think of design is like the visuals. That is attractiveness and um, making it attractive and compelling. So attractive is just, is it visually appealing? Does your ideal audience are they, in, are they drawn in by that design? Does it look credible? Does it look trustworthy? Or does it look like you kind of threw it together? Um, and then compelling is more about standing out from others in your same industry. You know, what makes you unique? And really conveying that personal, not personal, personality of your brand and those emotional, uh, the emotional vibe that kind of goes along with that. Um, that attracts your ideal audience. Nice. And I, you mentioned before too, that you work with a lot of um, coaches and then per, people who do like service-based businesses and courses. Um, do you feel like there's any difference kind of between those different types of business owners? Like, would you say there's a difference in how you approach someone who's maybe like, um, you know, they're a business owner and they're the face of the business and it's, it's, kind of about their personality as well as the services they offer and then maybe another business where the business owners not no one really knows who they are it's really more about the product and it, it's not really associated with like a specific like influencer or face or anything like that yeah I definitely would take a different approach to that so for example a lot of coaches I work with they are very much more personal brands 
of what I would call a personal brand because people are attracted to their specific personality and the way they talk about things. They're very much the face. And so that and that website design is going to really reflect more of their individual personality and taste and things like that. Whereas another company might be, um, maybe they're like an agency, right? So they have a team and they're serving um, different clients. So that's going to be a lot more focused on what is that company's core values? What, what is their positioning? Why, why are they standing out from others in their marketplace, you know, and what is appealing to their ideal clients or customers, right? Um, it's, it's definitely a little bit different way to approach it. And, and both sides, you're really looking at how you can attract your ideal people, but you have different things to focus on when you're doing that. Nice. Um, and then would you say there's a difference too between like maybe attracting leads or like attracting leads and then later leading them onto a service? Like I know that that's um, another, you know, kind of like an industry where it's like, let's say someone needs like a lawyer or something like that, where it's like you want to capture leads and then refer them out to somebody else or, and then maybe something where it's like a product where it's like you want to get them to the page and then get them to like make a purchase right on that page. Is there a, a different approach to that as well? I think there can be. It kind of depends on your your specific marketing strategies. Um, so there's like people that you want to kind of attract into your audience and then you want to nurture them and then they will buy, you know, later down the line. Um, and then there is more kind of direct where you're trying to get people to buy right away. So that's a that's a much quicker conversion, um, like a cold lead to a sale versus like cold lead to kind of a warm nurturing audience to then a sale kind of further down the line. Um, design kind of affects that in different ways. It usually is where, where you're doing that nurturing um, for both the cold lead and the warm lead. Nice. And then... What role would you say that ads or content play into the conversion process and if they maybe influence your design work as well? Because I think a lot of times too with sales pages, people are being, being brought to those pages through ads. So is there is that something you kind of take into consideration when you're designing these pages? It's like, where are these, um, where are the viewers to this page coming from? Are they coming from a, a paid ad like Facebook or Google? Are they coming from maybe someone's Instagram page where it's content they're creating? Are people finding this web page kind of on their own through Google? Like, do you take ads into consideration? Like, how does ads play into the design process, I guess? Yeah, so whether it's ads or not, I'm, I do tend to ask where that traffic is coming from, where are those people coming from? because it can specifically affect the structure and the content and the messaging because a cold lead, someone who doesn't know who you are, needs more information than a warm lead. They already know who you are. They're already comfortable with you and they trust you probably. Um, and so they don't need as much information um, as, as far as that goes. It, it, depending on the offer, you might need to, you also need to take into account like where people are um, in that process. What, what do they call that process? I don't know. Like how problem aware they are, like whether they know they have the problem 
um, whether they're seeking a solution, like where are they in that awareness and like, what do you need to catch their attention um, depending on where they're at? Nice. And then um, what are some things you think a business owner should keep in mind when debating whether or not to take a more DIY report approach to redesigning their sales page or just outsourcing it completely? Yeah, so DIYing versus hiring a designer. Um, it's often a personal decision, but it can really depend on one, what are your personal skills? Like, do you have the skills needed to like build a website or are you willing to spend the time to learn how to build a website, right? Um, or, and then how important is it for you to put that kind of best foot forward from the beginning? Or is it okay if you have like, all right, I have a, a decent template site up right now and you're more focused in talking to people for leads versus how you want that website presentation um, to come across when people are first seeing your website. So it can really vary depending on your comfort level, how much time you have, how much money you have. It is an investment to hire a designer versus like doing it yourself, right? So if you have more time, then you could do it yourself. If you have more money, you probably want to hire it out. So more money than time, you probably want to hire it out. More time than money, you probably want to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I always think one of the benefits to outsourcing it too is like when you hire a professional like yourself, there's going to be things that they know that you as like a, a beginner are just not going to know or like what questions they're going to, know things that you won't even know to ask <laughs> in a way. Exactly. Yeah, there's definitely that. And it kind of depends on how important that website or sales page is in your plans. Like how much do you need that outside input, um, that expert input on it at that stage? Or do you want to wait until you've kind of tested the waters and then get expert input, you know? Right. And then um, would you say like what if someone's maybe questioning, like maybe they have an online business or they're a coach or they want to start that, like um, when would you say someone would need to invest in a sales page or a web page? Like what phase in their business would that be useful? Is it like when they're starting to kind of grow or is this like something they should do before they really get customers? Like, is there like a perfect time to build out like a, a really great sales page? Um, there's not really a perfect time. I, I personally do custom work for people. I do mostly redesign. So people who have maybe they DIY their website or they had someone do their website like five years ago, and now they're just ready for an upgrade and it needs to be updated and all of that. Um, but I also help people who are just starting out who haven't even signed a first client because to them, it's really important for them to come across as professional and like they have everything together because there's a lot more care that goes into like unless you're a designer yourself there's a lot more care and intention that goes into a designer made website or sales page versus kind of that DIY look not that you can't have a nice DIY website or sales page it's just not going to have a lot of the same finesse um, or intention behind it. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I feel like, I don't know, for me, like, I'm like, I don't think I could design <laughs> a webpage that would be that fancy. I, I, I wouldn't even know like what to do to make it better. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I've used things like Squarespace before, but that's very like, 
kind of plug and play, I, I think, but I feel like really taking it to that next level and personalizing it, like working with a designer is really um, helpful for that. And then you can just, like I said, add things that you wouldn't even think <laughs> yourself. To yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like I, like I said, it might depend on your investment level. Like, where are you with your finances? Like, what can you invest in for the business? What makes sense for you to invest in in the business? So for most people, I think it makes sense for them to kind of DIY, especially if they're kind of like me, you know, like a mom starting a business at home. You probably don't have a lot of capital. So, you know, you probably want to just kind of DIY it so you have something and then you know, you can invest in upgrading it at a later point. Nice. And kind of on that same note, what do you think are some skills that someone who wants to start an online business should learn? And then um, what should they definitely learn no matter what? And then do you think there's a good process for maybe questions they could ask themselves on like what they can outsource? What should you learn? So I would say mindset mindset work is definitely top of the list there because going into business for yourself brings up all kinds of mind drama so you're going to probably if you're not familiar with mindset work you'll probably experience that later um but beyond that i would say marketing and sales so even if you're not investing in learning about that like find information about marketing and sales and see where you go from there. So you can kind of pick a strategy and try it and then be able to evaluate like where you need help along the, along the way. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I would say, because without marketing and sales, you don't have any customers. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think definitely learning, like at least kind of the basics of that will help you a lot. Or you, I, I would agree. And then I think um, when it comes to like what you should outsource, a lot of times it's kind of like you were just saying, I think maybe evaluating like what is, if it's going to save you time, maybe it's worth the money. If like someone's going to do something on a level that like you're just not going to be able to do yourself without investing a ton of time, it could be worth it to outsource it at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say it probably varies depending on you and your business. Like, what do you enjoy doing? What do you hate doing? Like I outsource bookkeeping first because I don't like doing bookkeeping. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as I, I had the, um, the finances to do that, I was like, I am outsourcing that. I don't want to do it. I would go months without doing it. And so now it's just taken care of. Um, but you know, a lot of people might be like, I don't like to schedule social media posts or something like that. And you might be that might be what they outsource first, you know, or some sort of uh, assistant who kind of does little admin tasks here and there um, might be something just to take little administrative things off your plate. So um, yeah, it can really vary. Nice. And then um, what would you say are you most looking forward to with your business in the future, maybe for the rest of this year or just in the years to come? Yeah, so I am currently in kind of a scaling stage. So um, we didn't really talk about it, but I, but I work with people via a VIP day model. So basically people hire me um, to do websites or sales pages and they book either one or two days um, usually to get that work done. And so I hit capacity pretty quickly because I'm just one person. And so I've been building um, website templates and I'm going to be building some sales page templates. 
and selling those as a DIY option, but I'm also adding um, kind of a mix of the VIP day and the templates where you choose the template, but then I will implement it for you. So, you know, you give me your content, you get, you choose a template and then I will set it all up for you um, because that is an easier thing for me to outsource and train someone to do as capacity, as capacity needs increase. Um, so I'm kind of in that scaling stage of that template VIP day offer. Um, yeah, well, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about like the VIP day? How does it work? Um, what's the, that process like? Yes. So I decided um, a couple years ago um, that the traditional project format wasn't really working very well. Um, a lot of conflicting timelines, projects would just stretch out. And it was a lot of kind of similar stresses to what I was seeing when I was working at the agency. And so I saw someone else was doing VIP days as a designer, and that's all she offered. And I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And so because of my experience and like I can work pretty fast, I was able to kind of compress the timeline for projects into these kind of more compact um, container, I guess you would call it <laughs> VIP day containers. So yeah, so we do prep work time and then on the actual VIP days, that's when I do the designing and the building. And then when we're done, they have a finished product um, to walk away with. So it, it's um, clients really love it because they get to see their vision come to life really quickly. There's not a lot of like back and forth on emails and weeks go by and um, yeah, they really love it. Yeah. That's such a cool idea. I'm like, wow, you could get it done in like less than a week, pretty much. That's, that's awesome. Um, what, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then like, were you offering multiple um, offers before you came up with the VIP day and then decided to just kind of condense it down to this one offer? Yeah, so basically I was doing custom quotes for projects. So like, you'd be like, I need a logo and a brochure, or I need a logo and a website, or I just need a sales page or whatever it was. And I would custom quote that for people. And so everyone was getting something a little bit different and it was more work for me on the administrative side, um, as well as on the implementation side, because I was kind of managing all these different projects. And yeah, with the VIP days, basically I have two days a week where I do VIP days and then the rest of the days, you know, I do calls and prep work and stuff like that. Um, and it just really, it just really contains the project within its container. Um, and everyone's super clear on when they have to have stuff done. And it just, it just really streamlined the process and just contained it really well. Nice. I love that. I know, I've talked to some other business owners too. talk about, well, more product-based businesses, but I think this definitely would apply to you as well. How even just having, sometimes it's better to have like fewer products in a way. Cause you can really focus your attention on one or two different products rather than having like a hundred products that you sort of just pay a little bit of attention to. Um, would you say that you've experienced kind of something similar? Like you feel like it's, it can be helpful or maybe if someone's like new in business that it could be good to just focus on like one service and one thing and really perfect it and then maybe expand from there. Yeah. I would say it's a lot easier to sell one offer. Um, mine's kind of interesting because it's still custom and that you can hire me to do anything you want in that day. You know, like 
if you want to do logo design, we could do that. If you want to do website to this design or sales page, whatever it is, I have people hire me to do uh, like PDF brochures kind of things, you know. Um, but I don't have to have a separate price or process for each of those. Like it's still the same process and the same price quote. Like it just really simplifies my onboarding and offboarding and and the whole process. Um, and it's just easier for you to like give people a price when they ask, well, how much is it? You know, like you could just tell them versus having to work up a quote for something or check your list. If you have a bunch of products, like what, how much is that product? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think it is simpler to focus in on one offer. Nice. And, um, you mentioned too that you were going to start working with templates more. And then that kind of made me think of um, another question where you you offer services, but then you also offer templates. And then do you feel like there's a difference between with with like services, it's more like high ticket items that are more personalized. And then with um, something maybe like templates or digital products, a lot of times they tend to be like lower ticket items and they're very like, it's easy to kind of have them, you know, appeal to a larger group of people like what would you say is a good way to like balance those? Do you feel like um, have you know having the service-based um, offers and then also having like digital products as part of? And then how would you do that maybe too for like a, a customer or like one of your clients that they have a service-based business that they're trying to you know attract people to on a sales page and then they also have like pages with digital products? Like, is there a different approach to those? Um, how you would um, set up those pages and then what's your experience? with those two things? Yeah, I would say that they're, they're pretty different. Um, even though they're both design related, you know, they're both related to my expertise. They're definitely different to sell. So I'm still in the earlier stages for the template shop, but right now, like they're two separate websites because they are aimed at two different types of, um, audiences, you know, like even though they're all business owners, you know, people who buy templates tend to be in the early stages of business and people who buy custom design tend to be later on. Not always true, but in general, that's the way it is. And then the marketing is something that I'm still experimenting with because for digital products, you basically, you need a lot more eyes on the offer versus the service side. Like I don't need that many people. I don't have to talk to that many people in order to book enough clients to keep going, right? Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely a little different. And I do feel like I'm kind of running two different businesses sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Cause I could feel like with the product, it's more about like getting, like you were saying a lot of eyes and then with uh, something like a service, it doesn't have to be as many people. You just want to make sure you're targeting the right people. Um, yeah. But yeah, cool. Um, well, those were all the questions that I had for you today. I just wanted to, um, leave it to you for any final thoughts or any parting words. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I have any final thoughts. We covered a lot today, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, I can kind of close. I can tell you like, um, where to find me. Like, um, I have two websites, of course. So my services are under cooperandheart.com and then my templates are at ihearttemplates.com. So they're kind of two, separate businesses there. And um, I'm on Instagram as far as social media goes um, at Cooper and Hart. Cool. Um, all right. Well, definitely go check out her website, check out her Instagram. And thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. 
Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Don't forget to check in with us next week for an all new episode. For more information on our guest, please go to the podcast description of this episode. Also, don't forget to check out clips and updates on our next guest on our Instagram at Entrepreneur Escape Pod. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Melissa underscore Rittenhouse and check out my website at MelissaRittenhouse.co. Thanks and see you next week.